Welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast, one of America's only podcasts not owned by the Walt Disney Company. This week, I'm joined by Nick and Brennan as we break down this weekend's top five, as well as the debut of Dumbo and Unplanned. So breaking down this week's top five, we've got Dumbo in the number one spot with 45 million, followed by us. Had a fairly steep drop off, but it's still at 33.6 million in the number two spot. Captain Marvel's still in the top five at number three with 20.5 million. And then that's followed by Five Feet Apart at 6.25 million and Unplanned debuting shortly behind Five Feet Apart with 6.1 million. So I saw Dumbo. Um, I don't know if you guys saw either that or unplanned at all. Yeah, I saw Dumbo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I didn't see anything. I chose to. I had one movie this week to see because it's just life, and I saw the Beach Bum. <laughs> and we'll get to, we'll get to that in a few. But yeah, these two are ones I need to catch up on. So, uh, Brennan, if you want to go on Dumbo, and then I have a lot to say about Dumbo, so I'll come in after you. Yeah, for sure. I'll come from the numbers side of things. I mean. The budget is rather high for this film. Uh, I'm sure that they, the marketing, especially with it being a Disney live action film, it's a big major release for them. They, they marketed this thing pretty heavily. Um, $45 million domestically. The, the projections were around that. So they hit, hit the projections. Uh, globally, this thing underperformed slightly. Um, I think it, it, it's coming around $116 million for a worldwide opening weekend. That's including uh, domestic numbers and overseas numbers. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing that numbers for the budget are sitting around $170 million. Um, so this is not, I wouldn't say this is the strongest start, but it is a Disney film. I'm sure it'll have, um, respectable legs. I'm sure it'll break even. And it's also supposed to be one of the very first things they throw on the Disney streaming service. Um, when that, when that, uh, takes off. So, you know what, it's, it's a fine opening. Um, probably not the wow numbers that they would have hoped for, but it's a fine opening. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, I liked the film or at least parts of the film. It's, it's not one that I'm just too crazy about, um, but it's, it's an interesting movie. So we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but this movie is basically the original Dumbo, which is only like an hour and four or five minutes. And so the first probably 45 minutes of this movie are just Tim Burton putting his own spin on the original movie. And then it's just a completely different movie. And I feel like it's really bogged down in the fact that it is a remake. So Tim Burton is kind of stuck to the source material and he's not able to really tell the story he wants to tell until he jumps through all those hurdles. Right. Um, so I, I don't know what your thoughts on the film quality wise were. Uh, you know what? I didn't, I, there are parts that I liked, parts that I didn't. I was, I was really excited for the film because I thought that they hit it spot on in the trailers. I think that the trailers looked uh, phenomenal. Uh, but you know, that's kind of the way things are. Sometimes trailers can be better than the movie, <laughs> but, um, I was somewhat underwhelmed. I think there are aspects of the film I enjoyed for sure. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's an okay movie. I, I, I probably won't have an urge to ever watch it again, but it, it's a good one-time watch. Um, he took it. I respect that he put a lot more content into this film. It's not like your average remake. It's it kind of feels a bit more uh, like a sequel, in my opinion, uh, without kind of giving too much away. But um, just it felt corny to me. I didn't love the film completely. They're at the aesthetic of the movie's great. It looks great. The visuals are great. 
but uh, story-wise, I thought the film was a little bit weak. Dialogue-wise, I mean, the characters weren't that fleshed out. The only real character I rooted for was the uh, baby elephant Dumbo. So, I mean, that's that's that. <laughs> so, yeah. a, a question I have for both of you guys, because when I saw, like, when I looked at the at the trailer for this, I was like, oh, this looks like a more modest, like, Disney movie. And then I, then I saw that budget number that Brennan mentioned before, it's $170 million, which I think is just absurdly high. I think Captain Marvel had, it was like a $152 million budget. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I asked you guys, because you guys see the movie, like, did did this movie look like it costed $170 million? Like, did all that get on screen or what? Because <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm missing here. Like, that's a crazy budget for this movie. Um, You know what? There are a lot of CGI elephants in this film, and they look... Like at there was not one point in my opinion that they looked fake. I think that it looked truly like authentic elephants on screen. So they did a really good job with that. And then uh, th- there are times, yeah, when it looks like there's some pricey budgets on some of the scenes that were that were playing. But 170 seems like somewhat of a high number. I don't know. I still would expect this film to be at the very least 100 million dollars. There are some pretty expensive looking um, sequences, but I don't know. It's it, it's a high number. It's I don't want to. I don't know if it's a risky number uh, for a film like this, um, because it's not Lion King status or Aladdin status uh, for for Disney animated movies getting remade. Like it's not to that pedigree, in my opinion. Like not that uh, level of popularity. But you know what? It it looked expensive at times. But yeah, one seventy is it, it's a little bit high. But I can I, you know it's tough. It's it's a tough tough uh, thing to look at. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of interesting. So if you look into like the original Dumbo. Um, so out of the first, really the first films from Snow White through Cinderella, the only two that made a profit were Snow White and Dumbo until Cinderella. And so when Dumbo was made, um, Walt Disney, they had put out Fantasia and Pinocchio, which I think are two of their best movies, but they were flops. And so Dumbo was made with as low a budget as possible just because they needed to save money. So, like, if you go back and you look, watch the original movie, you see a lot of frames where all the background characters aren't colored in. Um, they do, like, a lot more with silhouettes. The movie itself is barely over an hour. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's such a modest thing to try to adapt with such a big budget. And I was kind of surprised that they chose this to adapt because, in general, um, like, the Walt Disney Company has never put much stock in Dumbo. Like, it made a fair amount of money just because it didn't cost much money to make. But it's, like, it's... This and Alice in Wonderland have never gone in the Disney vault, which is like how they select which which movies Disney is, you know, confident in and really enjoys. So like Dumbo's Dumbo's always been available, um, but he's never been just hugely popular as a as a film. And I also think Tim Burton is just an odd choice to to direct it. So if you look at a lot of the older Disney movies, Dumbo is really the only one that's pretty much completely lighthearted um and it's just a really happy pleasant movie <laughs> and, and so i think i i like what tim burton did with it what he could but i think it was, it's just an odd movie to try and reboot with that director with such a large budget um and especially other than the elephants there isn't anything really ornate or elaborate that i see that really demanded that that much money in the movie yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. This movie seems like just with that budget, it seems like a like a bit of a miscalculation. I mean, because you guys mentioned before, it's 
this i mean it's it's gonna make its movie and brennan make a really it's gonna make its money and brennan make a really good point earlier about it's probably gonna headline uh disney plus when that drops and it's nice to have as much big just content on there as possible to market it right off the bat but like i i would never have thought that this movie would like make like like a 500 million number worldwide like i just never seemed like a possibility to me for dumbo and like Mm -hmm. it's kind of and like if you go by like like just like general ledgers for like how much money a movie needs to make based on like 170 million dollar budget like right around like 500 million is like a kind of a standard like amount so like it just seemed it's just weird i don't Get the, I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be fine. Disney is not hurting for money. They just bought Fox. They have, they own everything. So like <laughs> this movie is this movie is not gonna like hurt anything. But it, it just feels like I wonder. I wonder if there's something we're missing here, where they paid all the actors up front, so no one has points on the movie. So they literally just have all their costs rolled up front, and th- anything they get is just like going back into their pockets. But it just yeah. seems weird. It just seems weird to me. Yeah, go ahead. It's interesting with it having so large a budget because one thing that I kind of noticed watching the movie is it just feels feels really stretched too thin. Um, like you can see th- there's a lot there, but none of it really has any substance to it. And, and so even like I, I just don't understand this movie really, I guess is what I try to say. <laughs> but yeah, it's a big cast too. Like, yeah, even like Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Eva Green, like there's some many people Colin Farrell it's just there's so many people in this movie yeah and you know there's a pretty pretty wide display of you know the elephants but even then there's really only a few you know scenes where Dumbo flies which I I would understand would take up quite a bit of budget trying to animate that but I just I just don't know where this larger number is justified or kind of what hopes they got from it and yeah it's it's a weird kind of start to their blockbuster season because from Dumbo, we have you know a few more weeks until Endgame. Um, Aladdin comes out, Toy Story, and Dumbo is kind of the lead into that, and it's not a very strong lead in. So I'm a little confused as to why they decided to release this one first as well. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where Dumbo isn't the biggest name, so they figure let's just put yeah. this in before like the sort of summer rush starts to come in. Which I think is pretty smart, but I mean, you mentioned it there with Endgame. Like that movie is like easily, unless it's like reviled by everybody, like it's gonna make two billion. So like, yeah, it's it's not like this isn't like an issue. Like I don't want to paint this out like this is like a monumental disaster for Disney, but it's just curious. I I don't quite understand it. I think the point you make about paying all the actors up front, no points on the end. Uh, I think that's probably what happened here. I think that's probably the right assumption. Yeah, there's just, it's just a really big cast. Like, this is a really, yeah. like, it's one of those movies with a deep bench. Like, there's just, like, just, like, name actors popping up all over the place. And it's like, oh, I know that person. And I have a history with them. So, I don't know. We'll see. Weird one. Such such a large cast, and yet they cut my favorite character from the original. <laughs> I oh, yeah, forgive man. them for that. They cut yeah. the mouse. That was criminal. Yeah, he gets a little <laughs> cameo, but, like, that, not Which, that not really much. Yeah, there's like there clear decisions they made to distance this one from the original a little bit. Like, um, I don't know how well you guys remember the original, but there is a scene towards the end where uh, Dumbo and Timothy the Mouse get drunk 
and then Dumbo, they like wake up in a tree and they find these uh, crows that are basically racist caricatures. And so they, they kind of <laughs> trimmed most of that from the movie to make it more kid friendly. <laughs> but then they yeah, also, I think that was they, probably smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They also, they also added so much. And it, uh, there's a quote from Walt Disney about the original movie. Um, so when they first made it, the, uh, they were still working with RKO to produce and distribute everything. And because of the runtime, they're like, we either want you to cut this down to like half an hour and make it a short or add, you know, 30 more minutes worth of stuff. So it, it's, it's a full feature length. And Walt Disney's quoted as saying, you can only stretch a thing so much and then it won't hold. And I feel like they completely ignored that. And we're like, all right, we're going to stretch Dumbo out to two hours. And that's just, it just kind of, it's too thin and falls apart for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think from, uh, from, uh, they did modernize the film and, in in a good way um without giving away too many spoilers kind of about perceptions on the circus and how uh kind of we look at that today as opposed to back in the 1940s they really modernized that i think in an appropriate way so um it's a it's a fine film yeah but it's 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 nothing like the original and it's not it's not revolutionary yeah i definitely agree so um, unless we have anything else to add on Dumbo, we can circle back around to us. And I know Brendan and I talked about that quite a bit last week. Have, mm-hmm. have you had a chance to see it yet, Nick? I did. I saw it last week. My review is up for it on the site. Um, I quite liked it, even if I do have some issues with it. But I'm glad to see that. I mean, it's a 52.7% drop, which would look a little steep to other people. But horror movies tend to drop a lot quicker than other movies because they play to their they play to the audience their audience goes and sees it it's typically not a genre you go rush back to the theater see multiple times so that combined with the fact that us just opened ridiculously high last week as you guys talked about last week like a, like a half a half drop is actually really good for this movie and it shows that a lot of people liked it and i think that goes back to this isn't quite though just your typical horror movie like there's things to parse here like parse through here and definitely repeat viewings are important to kind of wrapping your head around it uh so yeah this movie is doing really really well 20 million dollar budget almost 175 million worldwide like jordan this is just more on top of just jordan peele is just going to be able to make whatever movie he wants for a long time so yeah yeah doing doing really really well yeah i think also, one thing to point out is it did just open up in all its foreign markets this weekend, too. Last week was, I believe, just uh, a domestic opening and I think a couple uh, smaller foreign markets. But this week it got uh, into pretty much every major foreign market. So we're going to start to see a little bit more money pour in. I mean, I know Get Out wasn't as big overseas. I, I think I touched on that last weekend as it was in North America. But um, us should, just because of uh, how popular Get Out was, us should do a little bit better than Get Out did overseas um the money will look great they're 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 making back a ton of money on this film for sure and as you said yeah jordan peele's gonna have a lot of uh reigns uh in the future for sure yeah i would agree i'm excited to see what he does with the twilight zone um i think that actually premieres either this week or next week but yeah he's got he's got free reign of whatever he wants to do next Um, yeah i'm I'm uh, excited to see him go further with it yeah, and to Brennan's point, so Get Out made a little less than eighty million 
and international waters, uh, waters or international theaters, and then it's already it's already made forty six million in all foreign market markets already. So yeah, and it's still has to open in Japan, and it's 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 just gonna make a lot of money. And I think this is really cool with just the idea of like the success of this movie kind of puts the stamp as Jordan Peele is just a brand name. I think this movie sold itself as this is Jordan Peele's next idea. And you're gonna see that. From, you're gonna see that from now on. They're, whatever movie he makes, he, they're just gonna slap his name on it, and people oh, are gonna be sure. like, ooh, "Ooh, Jordan Peele." And that there is not like any like directors at this point that you can do that with. I, the only ones that really come to mind are like a Nolan or like a Tarantino, like even like a Scor- even Scorsese. Like like he made Silence a few years ago, which made no money, and it was like a really big flop for Paramount. And there was a lot of troubling things in that production of that movie, but. There's not many people who can just sell. There's no directors who can just sell a movie on their name alone. Which this is kind of cool. I like that a lot, and that just kind of it just it will make like blockbuster fare or just like movies that get into the zeitgeist just a little different and not as much as I love at the MCU and Marvel and DC and all that. Like it is fun when one of these movies comes around and really becomes a big deal. So good job on us. Yeah, and I'm excited to see. Because, I mean, normally when you have someone that's kind of emerging as a director and a screenwriter, you have everything comes in threes. And so I'd imagine his next movie, whatever it is, is going to be kind of along this a similar vein of us and get out. But I'm excited to see when he really takes that momentum and starts applying it into, you know, different genres or whatever his his real passion projects are beyond doing the horror stuff he's doing right now. Yeah, and he's a really he's really big on producing and he has his, mm-hmm. he has his production house monkey paw productions, which is actually really fun because the, the logo for it makes the, the T noise from get out, which I thought was really fun. <laughs> um, but he's, he, uh, produced, uh, black Klansman last fall and he's, he, he's really into that as well. So I think he's going to also just work on just making other projects for other people just, and so they can sell on his name as well. So, the, the, the success of him is going to have a much broader scope than I think even we can comprehend, which is really cool to see. Yeah, I think his touch, the touch that he added to Black Clansman was so crucial because I think he really modernized uh, uh, kind of just the just a ton of the film in general. I mean, Spike Lee, he's, a, he, he's, he's, he's an older guy. I mean, this isn't his generation of filmmaking anymore. We've kind of passed that. So it was great to see him put out a film uh, like Black Clansman that was just that good and it did so well and got so much praise but jordan peele's touch on that film is noticeable he really made it uh he he really helped out i think from a creative standpoint just maybe from a comedic aspect as well kind of kind of making the film something that um you're touching on a lot of dark themes but you can still have a good time with the movie yeah he that's something we've seen and i mean it's hard to tell what 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 kind of uh creative control that producers have on films. I mean, it varies from different thing from project to project, but this was one of the funnier as to your point, it's one of the funnier, it was one of the funnier Spike Lee movies in quite some time. So, and Jordan Peele really likes to add in comedy to his movies. And I thought us was one, us will probably be one of the funnier movies I've, I've seen all year when this, when this year's all said and done, because it's just, he's, I, I just really like his influence and it's just going to just make things a little more interesting. So, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, the power of a producer goes, I always think to uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, which is not a Tim Burton movie, 
but it's produced by Tim Burton, and so everyone associates it with Tim Burton. Uh, like his go. name's on the is on the poster. It's <laughs> and so I think Jordan Peele's kind of moving into that territory where, like, you see this certain style of movie that he's got his production company behind. His name's on the front. Like these aren't his movies, but they're his movies. Yeah. And it is, it is, that is kind of cool to see. It's just it, we're just we're witnessing the rise of a new power in Hollywood. I mean, sounds that sounds really big and just just amazing when I say that. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of kind of true. Like people, he's already he's already involved in a bunch of stuff. And CBS throwing a ton of money at him for Twilight Zone. Like he's he's here to stay for a while, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad because I believe his last major film before Get Out was Keanu. Which I thought was hilarious. Um, it was that's a funny movie. on that one, really funny, and really funny movie. It just didn't do so well at the box office, and so I'm glad to see that that really didn't define his career at all. Yeah, I think that was like like the closing like of like a chapter or like a book, and it's like all right, like this is our last hurrah as Key and Peele, and now we're gonna go and like do our own things. And both of them were successful in their in their own different ways, so it's cool to see. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree on that. So, uh, moving on to Captain Marvel, unless you guys have anything else to add, which is in the number third spot this week. Yeah, yeah, Captain Marvel is. Yeah, go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, I mean, it was a forty percent drop. That's pretty good. Twenty million, twenty point five million. I mean, the film is approaching a billion dollars. It should be there any moment now. <laughs> um, I think probably uh, within the next day or two, we might see this thing. Uh, surpassed a billion dollars so yeah there you go that's another uh, another big hit for Marvel we've been talking about this a lot the last few few weeks I'm curious though still curious to see what the bump will be uh, when Endgame rolls around uh, so that'll be neat to see yeah I mean we've kind of talked this one to death over the past few weeks <laughs> yeah it's there's just a few fun little um, I guess milestones that it hit it passed a uh, Guardians of the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man Homecoming at the domestic box office with its with its run this week. And it's also probably going to, if I see my stats here, it's probably nestling in right where it's going to end up in terms of worldwide gross for the Marvel movies. It's right at, as you said, right below a billion and it's seventh all time for the MCU. And at sixth is Captain America Civil War, which had... 1.1 billion about 1.1 1.2 so that would take a serious amount for captain marvel to get to that point and that kind of goes back to what you said brennan about its legs leading into endgame where we could see it get a little closer than we would have expected based on that number uh, to civil war but i think this this, this movie's just doing really good <laughs> there's really, at this point there's just really nothing incredibly new just it's just like all these milestones that Disney can be like, hey, look how great we are. Look how much money we have. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. Captain Marvel is doing really well. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> and then uh, in terms of dollar amounts, it's quite a big step down from Captain Marvel to Five Feet Apart. <laughs> Captain Marvel is <laughs> yes, in sir. at $20.5 million and Five Feet Apart's in at $6.25. Um, we've talked about this movie before. I really don't know how much there was to say about it at the beginning. I'm not sure if there's much else to say about it now. <laughs> the one thing um, is that it passed 50 million worldwide yeah, this week. Yeah. So that's that's really it. 
it's making a tidy little uh, sum of money. Yeah, and you're right when you pointed out when it first got released uh, that kind of genre is underserved. People who like those types of films, they're kind of underserved. This film is has great legs. A 26.9% uh, drop this weekend. Um, the film is just kind of crawling along and it's making its money. So you were 100% right, Nick, when you originally guessed that it would it would have the legs uh, just because the audience here is underserved and, and it's making its money, so. Yeah, and... I mean, I I didn't I wasn't able to talk about this last week because I wasn't on the on the pod, but I went I went and saw it, and it was a full it was a full theater, and I was the only man in the entire theater. It was me and a bunch of thirteen year old girls uh, crying their eyes out, and I could not have felt more out of place. <laughs> but this it really just shows like when you make movies for people that just want to see their type of movie, like. That's why the Kissing Booth was so big. I've mentioned this before. Like the Kissing Booth was one of the biggest Netflix movies last year, which is just crazy. I mean, so they put out like Battle of Buster Scruggs and Roma, and it's like no, like, like thirteen, like teenagers, like tweens, like they can really do a lot for your bottom line if you kind of cater to them. And that's exactly what this movie was. I mean, you have you have Cole Sprouse in there, who just like every kid loves from Sweet Life back in the day, and it's just it's doing well. It's gonna Lionsgate is a smart job by them. It's just making making its money and it's probably gonna do well whenever it hits streaming. It'll have like second legs and people will find it again and it'll become a big deal, maybe. So it's it's just one of those movies. It comes around and just it's gonna make its money. And we won't think about it, but its audience will a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't wait till the uh, five feet apart cinematic universe really rolls out. That's six feet apart. I guess it'd be four. Considering considering the movie, it would be four feet apart. Or actually, it could be six. Either way, I don't want to spoil it for any tweens who haven't seen it and love our podcast. Uh, but there's, I was shocked when I saw this movie. There is room for a sequel. There's possibilities. It doesn't it doesn't quite end how you would expect it to, even if I still hated it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's there's possibilities here. So if um, Netflix wants to buy this from Lionsgate and they just make like 10 movies out of it. It'll probably all be incredibly popular and we'll all be groaning ridiculously when they, be, when they become popular. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a, I don't, we don't, I don't think I quite understand it. I don't think you guys quite understand it either, but people love it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, moving on. <laughs> Uh, Unplanned debuted this week at number five with 6.1 million. Um, this is another pure f- flicks film, so it, well, those those numbers wouldn't be strong for you know a blockbuster debut, but for a, a pure flicks debut, um, it's actually pretty high. I think this is one of their highest so far. Yeah, it's well. There's a whole interesting little uh, subplot to this that grew over the weekend where. The unplanned uh, Twitter account was suspended by Twitter. Uh, Twitter has come out and like and mentioned that uh, they they it was like their anti like I forget what it's exactly called but, like their anti like hate like speech type of like their bots that work with that or like that that deal with just like monitoring like just like unsavory discussions on Twitter. They saw it was something where they saw it was following another account or 
in, like engaged with another account that had 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 these issues in the past with uh, Twitter, so they just immediately just banned it. And what that actually did was just a bunch of people came to the movie's defense, and people like really like bum rushed Twitter um, support, and like eventually like it was it was only banned for like like 20 hours something like that and then it immediately went back up and then the account actually gained like a like a decent amount more followers and i wonder it's just like it's just like this news cycle around it i wonder if that pushed um the the movie's uh opening box office at all because like you said that's six million for that for this movie it only was in like over a thousand uh screens uh so that's like a decent chunk of change and I mean, Easter is coming up in a few weeks, so I imagine this movie will have decent legs wherever it's played. So um, this is a curious little uh, movie, and it's an interesting little test case for extra study. I think. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're 100 right when you said the controversy probably helped drive uh, drive how much money it made. It, it was not only fifth at the at the uh, box office this weekend, but it was also fifth in terms of uh, theater average. Um, so so it. It, it was only out in a little over a thousand theaters, but it, it did well in those uh, theaters. Um, it had pretty good Thursday preview numbers at seven hundred thousand dollars. That that to me was pretty good, considering Dumbo was just at two point six million. So I mean, the stretch it, it was there. This movie I didn't really know too much uh, about it. It kind of came out of nowhere. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. Interesting stuff you bring up. It was projected to only make about three million this weekend, and it made six point one. So yeah, it seems like the controversy probably helped it out. And this is yeah. one of those, um, it's like, it's good to monitor this for a later podcast coming in a few weeks. Cause as I mentioned with Easter coming up, we are going to see some faith based movies start to come out every, honestly, like every weekend. And they, like you said, you probably won't hear about a lot of them because that's because they really just market to their audience and that's it. Um, like, Oh, I think it was either last year or the year before that was, I can, I can only imagine, which became like a massive success and it was based off of that country song that that of the same name and made like a hundred million dollars it was a crazy hit for whatever studio put that out it might have been pure flicks but we're gonna see this like with i think breakthrough is a yeah, that's, that, yep. um coming out in a few weeks uh yep. which that trailer makes me laugh every time if you've seen it you kind of know uh what i'm referring yeah. to but um it's like all these movies like make a decent amount of money because they know exactly how to market them and they're only going to put it in in areas that where their audience is and they're not going to do anything more than that so it's it is really interesting it's really shows how advanced marketing has been and distribution it's really interesting yeah and i'm not sure how strong the legs for unplanned will be because of breakthrough um you mentioned that just because they have actually marketed that one pretty aggressively and it's got a, a pretty decent cast as well like that's Probably what surprised me the most, because the uh, the lead character is uh, Chrissy Metz from This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Um, Topher Grace is in it, and uh, Mike Coulter, uh, Luke Cage is in it. And so it it's also, uh, if I remember correctly, Breakthrough is the first uh, 20th Century Fox film to be distributed by Disney following the merger. Mm. Oh, that is so um, weird. So that, yeah, that's a, that'll be an interesting thing to watch, but... Yeah, I honestly don't know if Unplanned will have as strong of legs because Breakthrough seems to be like the next one that they're kind of banking on to be a big hit. Um, Steph Curry is an executive producer on Breakthrough as well. Oh, wow. So it's it's poised to 
probably do fairly well. I, I've been seeing it like all the time. Like I've in in the last uh, couple months uh, heading to the theaters, I see this trailer play pretty frequently. So I think yeah, for sure, there's it, it'll it'll probably do pretty well. It, it's coming out, I believe, on the Wednesday before uh, Easter weekend. Um, so yeah, I'm sure this thing will do good. And there's also I I totally forgot about this movie because it's gone through a lot of issues but there's a mary magdalene movie coming out um in two weeks with rudy mara and joaquin phoenix (laughs) it's i'm 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 not joking this is a movie and and uh uh what's his name is in it uh uh what's the 12 years a slave um what's his name i don't don't know how to pronounce main main guy (laughs) yeah him I don't want to his name either. I'm a huge fan. I always, of him, but, uh, you know, I love him too. Um, and I always look up his pronunciation and I can just never say it. So I just get nervous and just never say it. Yeah. <laughs> but he's I... in it. And <laughs> it's, and this movie, I think this was originally supposed to, I think this movie is like kind of old. It was like made in 2016 and it was supposed to be a Weinstein release. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that movie's coming out too. It's all these movies just pop up out of nowhere, and I mean that's that's a massive deal. It's fucking Phoenix and Rudy Mara. It's like two of our best working actors. This is crazy how many like faith-based movies come around this time of year. Yeah, it's um, that'll be an interesting one. I did not know that existed, um, <laughs> but Walking Phoenix is Jesus will will be an interesting choice. <laughs> I'm curious in, uh, to to what to what you uh, want to say about the beach bum though. So, kind of want to hear about that. <laughs> oh, the beach bum! I want to. I really want to talk about this. Uh, so, I uh, I had one choice of movie this week. I was I had some thing. I just just doing life. You know, it happens. And I was like, I could see Dumbo, or I could just see the next weird Harmony Korean movie. <laughs> uh, which I chose that. And for those of you that don't know about, about Harmony Crean, he's just, he likes to make kind of gross movies uh, that are just really inaccessible to basically everybody. <laughs> um, he made a movie a, a while back called Trash Humpers. Um, and that is, it is, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is literally that. <laughs> so he made this movie called The Beach Bum with, Matthew McConaughey and Zac Efron, Jonah Hill, Snoop Dogg, Jimmy Buffett, uh, Isla Fisher, and it's uh, Martin Lawrence is in it too. And it's literally about just about uh, Matthew McConaughey, who is the titular beach bum. He's just the ultimate washout at any like coastal town. Just loves his PBR, his gross uh, long hair, and like tropical wear. Um, and he just loves the beach. He loves just living life and smoking so much just all the time and drinking all the time. And he just loves living life. And it's literally just about him just going around and kind of his misadventures uh, for an hour and a half. And there are some amazing cameos. Zach Efron is his, like, he's in it for about five minutes. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> or he, he, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it, but He's insane, and Jonah Hill talks like an old Southern prospector, and Snoop Dogg is doing Snoop Dogg things, and uh, Jimmy Buffett's there playing music, playing his yacht rock. <laughs> so <laughs> I saw this movie. It's interesting. This movie actually got 
a pretty wide release, which I was kind of shocked about. It had over a thousand screens, and while this is probably Harmony Korine's most successful movie he's ever made, uh, just in terms of you could a random person could watch this movie and like it. It still is not for everybody. Um, I went out, came out of this movie loving it, and I saw it with my girlfriend who was just like not about it at all. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, sorry to her. Uh, that I dragged her through that experience, uh, but I would I would like people to check this movie out just because it is so weird, uh, and it's literally a it's ostensibly it's about nothing. He just kind of goes around and does his own thing. That's kind of the point of the entire movie. Uh, so it's just a lot of vignettes of him just being incredibly drunk and high at all times. And I think I thought it was hilarious. And <laughs> I would like to see how this movie performs because. Even in my own theater, I just there were some people who thought it was just like the funniest thing, and other people were just pissed off. I'm like, I fucking hate that movie, and it's not an hour and a half, I won't get back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm really interested to see how this movie performs. It's a, it's a small movie, five million dollars. So, 1.8 this week is pretty decent for it. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of beach bum talk. But <laughs> I love. I really, I really love this movie. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what. What happens with it? I know it's rated R. Is it is a pretty hard R? Like is it... it's very hard R. There is just uh, there is just things happening all over the place. Um, okay. it is just it is it's really it's really it's kind of it's not gross. I don't know. I wouldn't describe it. I thought it was like kind of innocently R. It was just it's just a lot of just people just smoking and drinking weed or drinking weed <laughs> drinking alcohol. Sure. It's just um, it's just people just doing all the drugs they possibly can and just the debauchery that ensues. Um, so uh, will, will there be a four year consideration, uh, campaign for uh, Matthew McConaughey for best actor this year? Oh, I hope so. This is, <laughs> <laughs> I just bring never... that up. I, I just bring that up because, uh, for, um, his last film, uh, that this director made spring breakers, there was a kind of a small cult four year consideration campaign for James Franco for best supporting yep. actor. <laughs> so I just want to bring that up. I think the tagline for that was because there's that big line in that movie where James Franco was like, "Look at all my shit," and he's just like, he's like all those like semi-assault like rifles and stuff. And yeah. so I think I think the tagline for that was like, "Consider this shit," and it's like, "Oh, it's really funny." <laughs> but this is the persona. Like, so we've kind of seen like Matthew McConaughey do like the light version of this for like ever. But the, like this was like I'm fully convinced this is the persona that he's been building to for like ever. Because it yeah. is so, it is so Matthew McConaughey. It's like Matthew McConaughey turned up to a thousand, and it's hilarious, and it made me this. so. Happy. It's I would to anyone like <laughs> listening to this podcast, <laughs> just give it a shot. Like even if it's in theaters or anything, I would like to see this movie do well because I just want Harmony Korine to do more weird things. <laughs> but this movie is just oh my gosh, it's just I can't. I don't. I don't want to talk about Zac Efron in this movie so badly, but First, it is. Uh... Oh. First Serenity, now uh, the Beach Bum. Matthew yeah, interesting, interesting year. year for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie is so wild, and I just want everyone just maybe to give it a shot because it might be for you. It's really funny, and there's some really like broad slapsticky things in it. Uh, it's 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 bizarre. I love I love this movie. Um, I wonder because it's not getting great reviews, so I wonder if I'm the only one. Says that, but, uh, <laughs> so maybe don't listen to me i don't know either way this has been uh, your beach bum talk with uh, nick kush and i'm happy to have brought it to you yeah uh 
Oh, so <laughs> there isn't a whole lot else uh, notable going off in the box office, unless you guys have anything. Um, one thing I thought was interesting this week is Jai Courtney um, revealed that he's actually in the, the Suicide Squad quasi-reboot with James Gunn, oh, um, cool. which I normally don't like Jai Courtney and most of the things he's done um, just because he gets really typecast and he's just terribly stereotypical characters but he was one of the few things i really enjoyed about suicide squad so i'm glad to see him coming back as they're kind of cutting everybody else out of the movie that's kind of fun i like that too i think it was one of those things where he kind of had the taylor kitsch syndrome where they were just hollywood was just trying to make him a thing yeah and we were and we were like stop making jai courtney a thing he's never going to be a thing (laughs) and then like with with that role, he just kind of like let it all loose, and he just kind of was just like the weird character actor that I think he should all he always should have been. Um, and so yeah, I'm happy that he's in there. He was fun. He was fun drinking his like his tall boys and with his boomerang, and I loved it. <laughs> Good for him. Unicorn. Yeah, exactly. He's just weird. I like more. I like my weird in my big budget movies. So yeah, I think that was all I had. Unless there's <laughs> anything else that. Pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode. Yeah, there was one little thing with Diane. It was a small little movie directed by Kent Jones. I just wanted to mention it really quick, just because it's just a cool little thing that he was a longtime critic and film preservationist, and he, he went out and made his own movie that IFC distributed. I didn't make much money. That's kind of how IFC rolls it. They just kind of put it in a few theaters, and then it goes on streaming right away. But it was critically lauded. So that's just that's kind of cool. It's us people, who, us who are critics and just love film. It's kind of cool to see one of us actually go out and make a movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, uh, that's kind of all I had. There's besides the beach bomb, which is the greatest thing ever. I'm, I'm, I might, I might, just, I might just have to talk about it in every podcast from now on. Um, other than that, there wasn't really much going on outside of the top five from my perspective. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I would agree. Next week we'll. Uh get a little bit more interesting because we've got Shazam rolling out as long with Pet Cemetery, and then it's pretty much superhero and Disney movies every week from here till the end of time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, next weekend's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for next weekend. I think that uh, it's going to be going to be fun to see how these movies perform. I mean, Shazam's getting rave reviews. Uh, Pet Cemetery's getting pretty good reviews as well out of uh, South by Southwest uh, Film Festival. Um, I think that both films are going to do well, uh, respectively. So I'm pretty, pretty excited for next weekend. Yeah, should be fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Movie Babble podcast. Again, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And join us next week as we break down the release of Shazam and Pet Cemetery.